Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Funky Marketing Show. Uh, today we are actually continuing because I, I didn't record for a while due to some uh, health issues. But anyway, uh, I'm glad that, uh, that I'm back, that we're back. And I'm glad that I'm having today with me a friend of mine. It was a long time coming episode. Uh, today I have with me a guy who is a young guy, but somebody who is an uh, entrepreneur, who is a growth marketer, who is somebody that helps creators uh, do their jobs much better by creating tools that enables them to do their job better. And um, join me in welcoming uh, Jay to the show. My man, what's good? What's going on? Thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. Super excited to having you. you know, I was just saying that it was a long time coming conversation. We had a chat over the virtual coffee somewhere, I don't know, like a month ago, but a long, it was a long time ago and you did so many things in between that, you know, we're yeah. going to talk about all of it. Yeah, we've been playing tag on LinkedIn between the virtual coffees, but it's, it's nice to get back uh, to doing this face to face a little bit. Yeah, man, it's always good to, to have, you know, familiar faces. And uh, I really like how LinkedIn works, you know, regarding these live streams, because, uh, you know, if guys, if you don't know already, we are recording and doing live stream while recording the podcast episodes, just because, you know, I want to have a chance to, you know, get some questions uh, from the audience while doing live streaming. And it's it's much interesting. It's more interesting doing things, doing things this way. Yeah. Thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, so let's start. Uh, I wanted to start with kind of, uh, talking about, you know, all the craziness that is going around these days. Uh, you just accepted the new role and, uh, you know, as the guy who was, you know, solopreneur before or working with, uh, with different teams, building stuff around consulting companies and now you move to the role inside the company. So tell me a little bit about what happened. Yeah, I think uh, a couple of really big things happened for me. Um, one being, uh, first of all, that this role is awesome. I'm, I'm super excited to be joining as head of marketing for Captivate Talent. Um, they basically help connect uh, candidates uh to top SaaS jobs they work with a lot of like well-funded fast-growing companies um so super excited to to help people find jobs um that's always a, a fun thing to do that's what i kind of did recently is found a job um but yeah so i'm, I'm really excited about that to, to kind of build out the things for marketing over there um really from the ground up um something that i've always enjoyed um and i've done before and then uh, the other piece is the job market is just really hot right now. Um, it's a good time to be a candidate. Uh, you know, there's uh, a lot of great jobs open. Uh, compensation packages are, are great. People get to work from home. People get unlimited vacation. Uh, there's a ton, a ton of benefits out there, like a lot of like uh, products that companies have signed up for to provide like benefits as well. Um, so it's just a really good time to, to, to have a job. Um, and, you know, I just felt like it was the the right time, the the right role. Even when I was looking this time, uh, I wasn't really like looking, looking like I was reaching out to people in my network that I saw, like maybe there was an interesting job. And I was like, you know, let me just take a quick feeler and see if uh, 
this might be something I'm interested in in pursuing. Um, and I, I kind of it was fun because like usually I feel like I previously like when I applied like I was like in the role of like man I really want to get this job and it was like more of like an equal interview um, where it felt like they need to sell me on the the job as well as as much as I need to sell them on what I can provide. Um, but yeah, super exciting. Um, excited to to kind of be on a team again. Yeah, it seems like you know. Uh... There are so many different job positions opening, like, you know, like growth, demand. I think like all of these new positions, I mean, we didn't have demand role going in like that. Growth was there, but maybe in a different in a different way. But I think like companies are now realizing the, you know, the power and potential of, of marketing. And, you know, that's the thing that's changing. And also like having this, you know, great resignation think so many people are changing companies and I think now that the culture, the benefits, how much company cares about the things that you care about becomes the, you know, the, the, the most needed assets the company needs to have to kind of attract the right people. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, you know, really just balancing that job market. You talked about the great resignation, uh, I think people are are kind of figuring out like what's the right balance for them. They probably saw a lot of people leaving roles um, and we're like, hey, maybe I should like uh, hack it out on myself, see what I can like uh, dig up. And I think that's awesome because like uh, a lot of people that are reentering kind of like the, the job market and grabbing jobs got a chance to learn a lot of really important skills like working for yourself, by yourself. Um, I think there's a lot to, to learn there. Um, so I always highly recommend it to everybody at least like once. Um, but, but yeah, it's, a, it's an exciting time, um, for, for people that are getting jobs. Um, and you know, it's nice to get benefits too. I think, uh, people that probably did part of the great resignation, uh, probably, you know, didn't probably enjoy as much not having the, the benefits that were there. Um, it's, it's really hard to take vacation and, and do some of those things when you're really just running by yourself. Um, so uh yeah just trying to find that that right balance um between like work-life balance and even like mental health and and stuff like that taking care of yourself because that's important too yeah those things those things are now becoming you know important for the companies as well not only to the to the people that's that's great to, to see and to hear yeah so so tell me uh i think it will be interesting for for the people to kind of uh you know hear about the journey because I see lots of people consult companies or roll in as advisors or something like that. Mostly those are startups. Uh, but you know, what was your experience? Cause you, uh, you consulted with them and then, you know, when you, when you were feeling that you, you know, you want to enroll in, in the company, you reached out and then you had a conversation like, you know, look, I, I been working with you. I know the situation. I know that I can help you something like that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Mine was a little bit different. Um, I kind of just uh, said like, hey, I am probably going to be looking for something. And then we kind of had a conversation around uh, my interest in possibly working full time uh, at the company. And I think that's probably a conversation that most companies would have with consultants if it's clear that they're providing like value. I've been working there for like uh, over like six months in a pretty mm -hmm. smallish capacity, but uh, providing a decent amount of like results output for the limited amount of time. Um, so it was like, Hey, like, obviously they think this is like, uh, 
opportunity for the business to grow. Um, so it ended up working out that way, um, which is really, really awesome, really exciting. Um, but I think, you know, as, as long as you are like when you're consulting, like if you're providing a lot of value um, and you tell people like, hey, I might be looking for like a full time offer somewhere. Um, you know, generally people want to keep good people around them. Uh, I think there's like that phrase, like even before all this great resignation stuff and, and all that, that stuff, uh, there's like, a, a thing that a lot of entrepreneurs talk about, which is like, if you find good people, you want to really like keep them around, like whether or not you're hiring right now, but always kind of keep those people in mind just because like great talent is like really, really although there's a lot of people looking for jobs, great talent is really, really hard to find. Um, and so, you know, if the opportunity presents itself, if things can kind of match up, you want to take uh, advantage of that. Yeah, for sure. And I'm now thinking like your role is growth. And you mentioned on Twitter that, you know, that your marketing skill, the most important one is, is growth. <laughs> so that's kind, kind of the, the, the match. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and that's what I'm excited about. Um, I think especially with this role, what was really exciting to me was just uh, getting to really like have the reins. And I feel like a lot of people say like, yeah, we're like, you know, we're working on marketing, but uh, you know, most people, and I'm sure you've probably worked with companies before that, even though like they want to, they say they want to give off that control. Um, it's very hard for them to let go of what they think is right. Um, and so this was really great because, you know, I, I'm getting an opportunity to kind of come in and, uh, establish my own marketing playbook and run things very differently, which I like to do. I don't like, uh, I don't like to run the same playbook. I, I kind of think in the way of like, you can either be the playbook or you can write the playbook and I'd rather write the playbook than be, be the playbook. So, uh, we're going to do some different things. We're going to test out some different ideas and it's great to have like a founder that's on board with that to, to try new things out and, and be willing to test because, you know, I think especially when it comes to growth, um, there are like standard like playbooks that you can like run in that sense. Like, you know, you look at your metrics and that stuff's important too. You want to keep a good eye on that. Um, but when it comes to actually growing, you've got to kind of have a, a like real growth. You've got to have like a, a different approach to be able to try something that's innovative to your industry. Um, and so that's what I'm, I'm really excited about. And that's what I love doing is, you know, running those plays that, you know, when people look at it and it's the ones that people take the screenshots of, right. And share it in the Facebook groups and share it on, on LinkedIn or Twitter and are like, well, this is a really cool idea. I never thought about doing it this way. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I think of, when I think about you, I think of the guy that's producing those kind of stuff. So I think you kind of position yourself in that way by all the things that you were, you know, creating and growing in the, in the next year, year and a half so far something like that but what, what are some you mentioned in the linkedin post some of the things that you that you want to try and it's interesting maybe maybe you know you can tell us a little bit about it yeah so one of the things that we've actually been so i've been only really like uh to be like completely transparent i've been consulting with them for about like five to six hours a week nothing super crazy before going like full time um and one of the big things that you know and, and it takes some time i think like in any uh sort of like consultant role unless you like have like a specific playbook that you're running like growth is a really hard one just because like every 
company has their own like audience reacts differently. Like they're in different places. They talk about different things, all of those different, those, those different pieces. And those obviously carry over in other parts of marketing, but especially in growth, because like if you want to do those unique plays, you've got to really like have a good grasp and understanding about what people are like listening to what people do, what kind of like, wait, wait, where, where are they like online? Like if they are online. Um, but so one of the things that we did was like, we ran like, uh, this, this jobs digest that's been running really, really well, where so captivate talent, like I said, like helps candidates find roles at top SaaS companies or recruiting agency. Um, and so what we did is we basically like took all the roles that we have and we sent it out now in a weekly email, um, uh, kind of similar if anyone's heard of like micro acquire, like they have their own digest for companies that are looking to be acquired. Um, so we kind of took that same playbook and just kind of like flipped it a little bit and, uh, changed it to meet what we needed to accomplish. Um, and so that's been going like really, really well. I think we've had like way more applications um, for for jobs than, than that's ever like really existed, like in that sense, like less conversations too, like, you know, having to kind of like reduce the amount of conversations that need to be happened for like a single placement. Um, that's stuff I'm super excited about. Um, so that's what we've been working on. And then a few other things that I'm planning on doing um, over there is, you know, we might at some point kick off like a, a podcast, but I'm planning on running that probably a little bit differently. I've run my own podcast in the past, uh, at my last company. Uh, and one thing that I didn't like as much was coming up with different like topic ideas. So, uh, I have some creative plans around that to kind of, uh, shorten that, that process, probably taking something too similar for Chris Walker's approach, um, where he kind of like runs like a live event and then like uh, repackages his, his own interviews on other podcasts, uh, on his podcast, which I think is a really smart play kind of like, uh, lets you create more content without having to spend a bunch of time. And then one thing I'm super excited about and, uh, planning on testing probably maybe closer to the middle of the year. I want to make sure I've, uh, done enough on the growth side to kind of, uh, have things in place to run a riskier play. And that riskier play is, uh, I'm going to test out probably trying to create a blog entirely through AI. There's a lot of tools on the market nowadays to, to write content, to come up with topic ideas. Uh, so I'm going to see if I can stitch something together with uh, a few of those tools and maybe like a Zapier to kind of like uh, uh, put it all together. Um, but yeah, those are some of the things that I'm super excited about. And I'm sure the more time I kind of like spend in the role, um, the more I'll think of, uh, crazy funky ideas to run <laughs> yeah that's that that thing around blog sounds good i mean we've been doing and producing around 50 articles per month just team of two so like one who is creating drafts and uh, all the structure outlines and everything then jarvis takes over and then the writer actually you know, does the stuff and then the editor at, at the end. Because, uh, you know, for example, Jarvis can do a lot, but, uh, you know, all of these things you need to check. Yeah. You need to, to check the facts and everything and to make sure that everything is uh, exactly as, as it is. Because, you know, it can take you in some imaginary role some, somewhere but you know if you do the outlines well and you do the process right then it's 
it's easier. Uh, you know, I can connect you with with my writer if you if you need some advice around around that. Yeah, for sure. I'd definitely be interested. I think it's really cool. It's uh, it's a cool thing, and it kind of puts uh, content marketers in more of like a strategic role, um, yeah. rather than having to be the person that writes it. Um, and obviously, there are they, even before Jarvis existed or Copy AI or any of those, there were content marketers that were in more strategic roles on bigger content teams. Um, but I think it really enables like smaller content teams. Like if you're just one person to really have more of a strategic role. And there's some really cool things out there nowadays, especially like around like productized like services that exist. Um, I think I saw one, I can't remember what the name of it is now, but um, there's like this service that lets you like for a flat monthly rate, you can get like an editor for your content. Um, so I imagine like same kind of similar process where you can kind of have like the AI create the first version of the blog. Uh, maybe if it's good enough, you pass it on to an editor that you're paying maybe like a flat monthly fee for for uh and content writers are gonna hate me for this probably no, no man we, we, we have <laughs> we had a, we had a discussion with uh with ugi juric here on the on the podcast who is running the content agency and we talked about about those things like um ai writes the way you teach it to write so, yeah. so that's kind of the important thing. Before you give it a thing to write, you need to know how to teach him, you know, like this, is, we need to do it in four paragraphs. These are the topics that you need to give me output on, you know, those kind of things. Because, you know, like in Jarvis, you have this part when you actually tell it, you know, this is what I want to get out of the articles. I want you to cover these five topics and this is what I want to be the outcome, yeah. you know, before you start. And then based on that, it starts giving you, giving you things, but, uh, but it's definitely interesting and it's becoming more and more, you know, easier because like Jarvis, you have meta descriptions, you have as all SEO things you can do, you can do a lot with it, not just writing, but also optimizing content. And yeah, I mean, I mean, good luck with that. It's yeah, well, not, not going to be super hard, but you but you will need, you know, to kind of set up the standards that you give to the AI. So it gives you the right output. Yeah, I think process being process oriented is like extremely important for for that, um, especially. And, you know, I, I kind of think of it like, you know, we were talking about the job market, like balancing itself out in terms of like benefits. It's kind of like uh, content marketing, essentially like balancing itself out, right? There's like so many channels to, to post and participate on. And obviously not all of them are going to be relevant to your own audience. Um, but you know, especially like, uh, talking specifically to the space that we work out of and you and I both live in, which is like B2B SaaS and stuff like that, like around that space, um, you know, you want to be on LinkedIn, you want to maybe have your own community. You want to be potentially be on Twitter. You want to have your own Facebook group. Um, you want to have an email list, uh, maybe even a podcast, like there's a lot of things to get done. And because of that, like you can't, like, it, it doesn't make sense. Like from a budget, it's like impossible to balance, like from a budget perspective to have like a bunch of headcount and then also be able to execute on all of those channels. And so like a lot of these tools that are available now really, uh, allow us to participate, be like a small marketing team, be a scrappy team and participate on multiple channels without having this like crazy high headcount. And I think it's great because, you know, you're able to essentially play against those enterprise companies that have like, you know, 30 person marketing teams without necessarily having to do that. And it really like 
levels the playing field. Um, and I think it really enables people also that are really hyper-focused on like growth, whether you are like also in content or in email or in paid or whatever, um, to really kind of like showcase and find those people that are like at the top of their skills in that sense. Um, just because you're, you have the tools now to be able to do a lot more things. And, uh, it really just comes down to how you think is the way that you can kind of win to drive growth. Yeah, as uh, you reminded me of uh, of Daniel Cardona, who said like, you need to find some young person, and you know, tell them like, figure out TikTok or figure out Instagram, and just let let them go. They will do their thing. You don't know how. You don't need to know how, but they will do it. So yeah. that's also like an interesting perspective, because yeah. they 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 grew up with with the internet and with all those different platforms and different ways of using them. Definitely. And one thing I'll add like to that, I think one thing that, especially in this age of having so many like multiple channels to participate on, one thing that, you know, managers uh, or bosses or founders need to do a better job of, like depending on the size of the team uh, and the company obviously is like being able to work with people and tell them to potentially like when you evaluate like how the performance is doing, being able to like, work on killing that channel. I think one thing that happens for a lot of these companies now uh, is because there are so many places to participate on, everyone wants to be everywhere. Um, and it's really hard to be successful everywhere, especially if you aren't as process oriented at the beginning. Um, so being able to like, and it's hard for especially like a lot of like junior marketers and things like that. Um, it took me a while to be comfortable with this skill as well to be able to like kill things that maybe are working, but aren't working as well as something else. And you want to double down and focus on that. Um, so I think like working with your teams and helping to enable them to be like, Hey, like you're doing a great job over here. This is, this is, this is working great. Uh, but like this thing is working even better. Like let's, let's get rid of this. Like it's okay to, to get rid of it. It's okay to stop and, and spend a lot more time on this thing. That's really, really working well. Yeah, so so let's continue with you know you you mentioned you know five uh, five or something like that five things that you know you can you can implement to actually you know uh, make make the growth faster and those are not like some super heavy complicated complicated things you know those are the things that you can uh, you know analyze see what's working and you know add a little tweaks here and there and to actually start getting some results. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of things that you can do um, to test. I mean, one thing that I'm always like super advocating for is like just having a really good understanding of like product analytics and product metrics. Um, I think like uh, having a lot of those processes in place make it really easy to kind of figure out where to spend your time. and. And where to work on i think you're talking about maybe the list that i shared out on one friday which i i, I kind of put out there as like a joke list um for people just to kind of give people some uh some friday fun for things that you aren't maybe supposed to be working on and uh i mean you can't work like some of it was joke some of it was not joke but like uh you know there's no, but, but you know but <laughs> actually when i when i start working with a company they're like First thing we need to do, like we need to, if we are going to get people to convert, we need to actually optimize the places when they are 
coming to us, you know, when they are converting. So it's sometimes it's that simple, that start. Yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of, especially I've consulted at a few different companies now at this point. Um, and one of the things that I always see miss the most often is just understanding like at the very basic level, how your process, even if you don't have marketing, even if you aren't working on marketing, but how the process for your marketing works, like being able to understand and communicate to like, uh, maybe your consultant, maybe just even someone on your team, uh, maybe someone on your board that's like, Hey, like, all right, this is our process. We've got like a user, uh, a user usually finds us from these places. They sign up. Then, uh, we get these many people to sign up. We convert these many people into this next action. We convert these many people into this next core action. And then we convert these many people into this next thing. Maybe it's like paid or something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I found that a lot of companies still struggle to kind of communicate that and understand like, what does that flow look like? Do I have the steps in place to be able to, to understand what, what, first of all, what is my conversion flow? Like, what does that look like? Like, let's map it out. Let's take a Miro board and map it out. Um, and being able to understand and have those things in there is like a very like basic step. Um, but I do see a lot of companies still like, kind of like miss that they try and jump straight into what they think is marketing like oh we need to start writing blogs we need to start sending out emails we need to start running out paid ads because that's what everyone else is doing um and it's funny because a, a lot of those other people are doing the same thing but they also still might not be necessarily watching and following and you can't obviously attribute everything but just being able to kind of like understand what that looks like um that flow is especially important especially in like SaaS companies because if you want to actually have product-led growth uh, you need to be able to to understand what that what that conversion flow looks like, what that process looks like, uh, and what you can kind of like test as inputs to to see if you can move those levers a little bit. Yeah, and you know if company isn't aware of that, they want you to go straight, you know, to writing content or to doing advertising, and this is something that I'm seeing a lot. And then, you know, I need to convince them that we need to actually do the analysis so we can actually choose the right strategy. Uh, it's ki kind of kind of funny, but that's how companies think these days. Yeah, no, they, it really is. I had a conversation with the one company that I uh, consult for that was like, hey, like we want to, we were told that we weren't ranking on this keyword. So we want to start ranking on this keyword. And I was like, hold up, let's back up a second. Like, does this keyword actually drive, like, is it related to, first of all, buyer's intent? Like, is there intent behind like people searching for that? Like, are they looking to end up converting? Is that, cause they were, they were working on, uh, they were like kind of like marketplace models. So they have like two people that they're trying, two personas, like two very different personas that they're trying to, to basically convert. Um, and so, uh, what we did when we really dug into the data is we figured out that, Hey, there's this one group, this one persona that accounts for over 50% of, of the traffic that's coming in of the conversions that are coming in. Um, and while it's not as profitable necessarily as the other segment, there's way, way more volume in the real world. Like the, the total addressable market for that segment is also way, way bigger. Um, and that keyword was related to that smaller segment, which, you know, 
that's great. But you know, that also might not necessarily be how people are like, you know, not everyone is just going to Google and typing in like a keyword phrase and clicks on a blog article and is like, oh yeah, I read this. Now I'm going to go buy something. Um, so you got to think about that as well. So having a really good understanding on like who it is, like, especially if you do have like, if you sell the multiple personas, like who is that persona that really, really like converts strongly for you, strongest for you? Like, have you acquired enough of that market share? Do you think there's still some more market opportunity over there? Like, can you double down and, and really focus on that segment versus trying to like provide a solution for multiple different personas? Um, like finish off, finish off, clear out that whole segment first um, and really like drain that whole market before you kind of like um, really try and focus, focus somewhere else. So like understanding those things through your business metrics, just incredibly important if you really want to, uh, if you're really serious about like growth. Yeah, and, and it's kind of the things I, I see SaaS and software companies focus mostly on acquisition when they already have the customers, you know, and it's something that I'm seeing. I, I was having trouble today with the, with the Internet and, you know, the, the providers care only about the new customers. They don't care about the existing ones. And that's where the treasure is, you know, <laughs> how can you make the best of the existing customers, you know, because you have to think about them first, then go to the acquisition codes. That's the, the, the more expensive part as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, three things I always tell people to think about when it comes to like existing customers, like, is there, first of all, if you're looking for expansion revenue, like, is there something in your product that people are really asking for or really using a lot that you can kind of turn into some sort of expansion revenue play? uh the second thing is i think every single company like that has a product should have an affiliate program i it's mind-boggling to me that companies exist without an affiliate program um because it's just such an easy play like you have people that are obviously interested it that really enjoy your product probably participate in other communities or know other people uh, that work at other or other companies that would be able to use your product. Like having some sort of affiliate program is just incredibly important. And then there's also like uh, this third part that I think is missed pretty often, which is like some sort of like brand affinity program. Um, so like there's like products out there like viral loops and stuff like that, like that help you kind of like, oh, hey, if you do like X, Y, and Z actions, like you can either make them like referral based and stuff like that, or you can make them like action based. Like if you're doing actions within the product like you can earn some sort of like rewards or, or things like that which i think are great because that helps drive product adoption too like when it comes to product like the the really big key is people have to kind of turn that into a habit like whenever you're whenever whatever even if it's a service as well like once it becomes like a habit then it's really really hard to like let go like once you see like the value of it um and you see like you have it like really process oriented, you're able to like get in there and, and do what you need to do fast and, and get results and drive results fast. So part of that is like you have to incentivize people just like you incentivize employees um, to to participate in the, the actions that you know that can provide like that that value and like in like decrease that time to value, make it easier for them to find the value within the product. Yeah, that's super, super insightful and valuable. Uh, and yeah, I agree with, uh, for affiliate talk, I talk with my friend a lot who moved, you know, he, he started in, in design, then he, he moved to marketing and advertising, 
right now becoming the affiliate advertiser more than marketer because like he doesn't like communicating with people and uh, and you know and he's like there are so many opportunities with affiliate everywhere and I have no idea why companies are not using it and uh, you know why one thing he, he found out is that lots of companies we talk about they are creating the bus they don't talk about affiliate but all of them have it and it was a big part of the growth process yeah and just, that's just a fact yeah it, it's just such a good play i mean it's such a good win-win a lot of these are like monetary rewards for like referring customers over and i prefer like i prefer it i saw one uh one thing that was really interesting um uh, that's more related to like e-commerce but i think you can think about it in the same way for SaaS. so someone posted this like uh for the podcast that i host i always like try and find like these interesting like finds um and someone shared a graph um where it basically showed like your what your profit margin is like once you start factoring in things like you know your cut for e-commerce it's cost of goods right and then you've got like paid advertising um and maybe like a couple of other things that you put into your your customer acquisition cost and and those kinds of things but when you're thinking about SaaS, um like one of the things that a lot of people like do spend money on is like whether it's like you know advertising on social channel or maybe even advertising on a newsletter it's become pretty popular for some of these sources like marketing brew or morning brew or the hustle and and those kinds of things or even like advertising within communities um that advertising fee that you pay is part of your customer acquisition cost so the way that you kind of think about it like if you're like like how to sell yourself more on the affiliate program is like would i rather pay some random advertiser um, to acquire the customers or would I rather pay my customer to acquire more customers? And, uh, I think the latter is way better just because that's also going to drive way more brand affinity for that person that's referring over people. Like, um, you know, you're still spending that money. Um, but like, it's way better to spend it on your customer, um, and give them the money, um, than this to like send it to an advertiser. Not that advertising is not important. You should definitely have, if you have the budget for it, it's an important part in any marketing strategy, but, um, if you're trying to figure out which one to run, like try that affiliate play first before you go out and, and try some paid advertising somewhere. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, related to that, one thing that's going to become big probably in the next year is, you know, you have lots of people, for example, in SaaS communities that are using lots of tools, working with different companies and have followers and connections, which are actually the customers of, of those companies, of those tools. And actually, you know, like using them as, I don't know how we call it today, influencers or Chris Walker calls them differently. Everybody has a name for it, but it's actually the person that can work with you long-term kind of, you know, promote your tool, not like pay him for the post, like we companies do in, in B2C, but something different, you know, make them create trust for your product over time. And I think that is something that's going to be huge in the, in the recent future. Yeah, I totally agree with you. You know, I am a, I am a little bit more bullish on the the paying people to to post and not necessarily in the way of like, I don't think it's going to be the exact same as it is in B2C. Um, but I do see opportunity for, you know, where it makes sense. And I think B2B influencers or whatever, B2B creators, whatever you want to call them, um, are going to be a little bit more selective when it comes to promoting yeah. things. And that's because I think part of that too is related to the fact that 
B2C influencer marketing, creator marketing has kind of matured as well to the point where people, the ones that you see that are really successful with that, like don't just promote products to, to just promote whatever and like get a quick paycheck. And so like, just like observing that and, and learning that, I think some of that's going to translate over into B2B influencer marketing. I'm a little surprised too, still that it hasn't translated as quickly. I think I was talking about this, like at the beginning of this year, like talking about how great B2B uh influencer marketing creator marketing yeah there was a conversation and you, and you actually talked a lot about about it like starting swipely and all those things yeah, i'm surprised it hasn't taken off more than it has maybe people just haven't figured out how to use it effectively uh, but i think there is so much opportunity it's really a wide ocean for that because like you've got people with audiences that really haven't understood yet um, or maybe are starting to understand how to monetize their audience. Like maybe they're monetizing like directly, like one-to-one, like peer-to-peer essentially, but they are monetizing like with a company, with a business. Um, so I think there's, there's going to be space for that. Um, I'm still surprised it's as wide of an ocean as it is right now, which is great. Um, for me, that's stepping into a new role. I can kind of take advantage of some of that. Um, and, and run that into my plays as well. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be huge. I mean, it just like makes sense if you are like whatever you're doing, whether it's marketing, whether it's sales, whether it's customer success, if you are using something that is helping you be successful at your role, uh, you're going to want to share that out. It's a good way to like build trust. Um, and it's a good way to kind of like, uh, grow with a with a company and so like if there's something out there like if you have that connection um more businesses should should work to um to use that like provide these people like even if you don't have affiliate software or whatever like can you like come up with like some little small like google like and like you can make a little like google link for or like with the campaign builder and like give like, exactly. or something like you don't have to like do some sort of like you don't need affiliate software at the beginning to necessarily like execute some of this stuff, but like at least start doing some of this basic stuff when you see people like talking about your products or things like that, like be like, Hey, like, thanks for doing that. Like, uh, like, can we set you up with a link and like, you can earn X amount of dollars for like referrals. Like, um, that's sweet because someone was probably already doing that on their own. And now you're just giving them a, a really good incentive to continue to keep doing that. Yeah. That's something that's happening. Like I have a, a friend, Hopefully she'll come to the podcast when she, she launches, uh, the, the whole product and everything, but like she's into recruiting and recommending, like rewarding people for recommending them for different positions, uh, mostly in, you know, uh, in software development and, uh, engineering, those kind of things, it remote positions. And, you know, like it's all connected to, you know, to the job boards the way you have access and i think it's it's uh you know it's something that's going up and like it's cool that we jump to all through all these topics actually uh, a lot of them i have planned but we just skip naturally to uh to to most of them but tell me um one thing that was interesting and you were talking about it and i didn't see many people talk talk about these things like Pricing is super important, but like who should be in charge of it? Who should own the pricing? And it's always like a good debate around that. 
Yeah, that was a fun question to ask. I just like thought about that. I think I was just like uh, in the middle of like a shower and I was like trying to think of LinkedIn content. And I was like, this would be a really good question to ask. So I was like, I'm going to go out and ask this. I don't think anyone's asked it before. And some of the, the responses were really good. I, I think it was like, you know, I feel like I see like some LinkedIn polls that are very like, uh, like, should you be doing X or like, should you be doing X? Yes or no. And like, like 80% of the responses go to yes. And it's like, not really even like a poll. It's just like confirming like what you kind of thought it was going to be. But this was actually like something that was really interesting um, because not everyone agreed. Like it was very like all over the place. I think it was a little bit more skewed to marketing. That's a little bit more of the people that follow me. So um, I think that made a little bit sense there. I, I wish I had a chance to open it up to more audiences. Uh, but when it comes to pricing, it's just a really interesting conversation on who should own it. My personal thoughts, uh, are that marketing, um, with finance should own a lot of it. Um, just because like standardized and salespeople are going to hate me if anyone listening and that's works for sales <laughs> are going to hate me for this, but standardized pricing is one of the best things that you can do for your business. Yes. It sucks like yeah you, i mean for a salesperson like you want to if you have the opportunity to make more money like you're going to want to potentially like sell higher and and make more commission off of that deal but standardized pricing is so so good because it really helps you scale faster like um you know it's really easy to communicate it's easy for other people like when we're talking about like the things that are happening today like in real time like people having conversations recommending tools i was just on a call like right before this uh, talking with one of my good friends, uh, you probably know Tyler Birch, um, who's on LinkedIn as well. Um, and I was like, Hey, like you should like, he was asking me about like a couple of tools. I was like, Hey, you should use like segment. One of the reasons that I always sell them so hard is first of all, their tool is great. Second of all, they have standardized pricing. So it's really easy for Tyler to go check on their website and say like, okay, like, is this in my budget? Like, is it not like, rather than go through like a one month like sales process and trying to figure out like oh well it's going to be this much but oh we don't need that feature so like is there a way you can like do a discount no we can't do like that and it's just like a whole mess like standardized pricing like really helps you scale and like by giving it to marketing allowing them to do that um they can really figure out like what are the levers that make sense and something that isn't often like talked about i don't think that needs to be used more often e-commerce does a great job of this. It's like product discounts. Like you can raise your price a little bit up to give more margin for a discount. And if your audience is like very discount sensitive, like that's great. Like to be able to like, you're the person that's the buyer in that process. And you go back to your, whoever's your finance person or whoever's the decision maker, maybe it's your founder or whoever that person is. And you're like, oh yeah, we're going to get like a 10% or 20% like discount for like the first like six months, like that makes it like maybe a little bit of an easier like sell. And so like, there's a lot of things that you can do on like the pricing front that I just don't think have been experimented enough in SaaS. Uh, and marketing is great, is greatly positioned for that just because like, if you have a good growth person, like they know like some of those crazy ideas to like test out when it comes to, to pricing and what packages to offer and, um, how to do like usage-based pricing and, and those kinds of things. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, it, it works for service-based business as well. I have seen it for us, like lots of reviews that we got said, you know, like they have a transparent pricing on the website. And, yeah. you know, that is the thing I can see if 
uh, I'm the fit or not. And then people send us messages, you know, like, hey, guys, I just checked your website. It seems like you are too pricey for us for start. But, you know, this is what we do. You know, if you think that we can maybe work together, then, you know, just reach out and have a conversation or those kind of things, you know, but they can they can see, you know, the pricing from which we st we're starting. It's kind of difficult to, you know, to have all those packages precisely with pricing, but we can say this is the pricing that we start with and it depends on this, this and this. So kind of if you have like at least something that create starts to create more trust than just having nothing you know just book a call then we'll talk about the pricing and about all those stuff yeah i think it just makes it super easy to i mean not super easy obviously there's a lot of factors that don't have but it makes it easier to scale when you have standardized pricing um just like from a perspective like to the buyer and then also in terms of like how you kind of figure out like um there's been like other companies that have like built in public and like you can test it out yourself like when you give marketing like the responsibility of pricing one thing you can also check for is like running the the best equation in the world which is like price times conversion rate and seeing how much money that that price is making you right so you can say like okay we are charging like a hundred we're going to test out a hundred dollars a month we converted at five percent so we're making basically like five dollars on each visitor or whatever right and then maybe you run another price that's like uh 90 a month but now you're converting at 10 percent. like even though it doesn't make sense like you're like 100 dollars is more than 90 dollars, but i'm converting way better at 90 dollars. so i want to set my price at 90 dollars because i end up making more money over time um so like those are things that marketing can kind of work on and, and kind of drive and so that's why i'm a big person uh big uh supporter of marketing owning a lot of that function and then obviously like you need to tie it back with finance because like if it caught if your cost of like operation and and goods or whatever like it's still like cost of goods in that sense like if you're you're running where you need to have your customer acquisition cost like needs to be above or like your your price needs to be above like 95 dollars because 95 dollars is your customer acquisition cost using that same example like we know like even though like $90 technically makes us the most money, we might have to price it $95 to have the profit margin that we need to be successful as a business. So that's where you kind of tie it back to the, the finance piece. Um, but knowing those parts like makes it a lot, a, a lot easier to, to scale as a business. Yeah. One more reason to have marketing, you know, sit at the table. <laughs> along with sales, along with finance, along with C-level and all, all those stuff. And, you know, kind of be involved in decision-making process and all those stuff. Because usually marketing is being left behind and it's involved in every step of the customer's journey inside the company, of everything is, that's happening inside the company. And that's like, makes all the confusion there is out there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, man, we're reaching towards the end so anything uh you want to say for the end i think we have material to kind of record two or three more episodes so we're def definitely going to do that in, in the future <laughs> uh but what is at your mind right now that maybe you want to share and we didn't we didn't share it um i think one thing that i've been thinking about and i was kind of thinking about this morning as i'm kind of like prepping for my new role um it goes back to something i said earlier 
um, at the beginning of our conversation was like, you can either you can either read the playbook or you can either write the playbook. Um, and you know, when you're thinking about growth, uh, growth marketing, you want to be the person that's writing the playbook. You don't want to be the person that's that's reading the playbook. I mean, it's important to read the playbook sometimes and do do things that you see that are working out there. But try and write the playbook. If you see something that's out there that's successful that you kind of turn into to fit your your audience, your niche, your industry, um, or even some other crazy idea that exists out there. Like, don't be afraid to test stuff. Don't be afraid to come and you know the the person, the growth marketer, and whoever the 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 bosses needs to like come together on this piece but like don't be able to to go and ask to be able to test things because that's how you actually grow like you want to fail because like obviously it's important to have success but you want to fail too because that's where you're going to be able to learn and figure out what to not do in the future uh but you've got to have someone on board too that's going to help support that like be be okay like marketing is one of those things where it's like uh, people get it in other places, right? People get it in sales. They know that they're not going to be able to sell every single deal. Um, but it's the same thing in marketing. Like you're not going to be able to win on every single thing that you do and you put out there. Um, so it's all about like throwing as many darts at the dartboard as you can and, and seeing which ones stick, um, and then doubling down on those. Um, so don't be afraid to test. Uh, and, and like I said, write the playbook. Don't just read the playbook. Yeah, agreed. That's that's cool. I mean, basically, you know, like working in startups and working in all the, that sphere, like in time you will get experience and you will know which which darts to throw. So basically, you you will know what 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 you are doing better than what you've been doing a year before, two years before, and but you need to throw things definitely anytime to kind of see what's what's actually working. Definitely. I mean, even even uh, I'm a huge basketball fan. So even the best basketball players uh, don't really shoot more than make make more than like 60% of their shots, like even the, the best ones that are all the way at the top. So like, that's how it is in, in marketing too. like, you, you get better at doing it, but you're still not going to make 100% of the shots. And everyone's got to understand that um, for marketing to be able to be successful. Yeah, I love that. We leave that as, as the last thought. That's great. <laughs> Man, thanks for being here. Thanks for joining me for the conversation and talk, sharing lots of stuff. Uh, um, I'm sure that we're going to make another episodes. We're, we're going to get even more strategic and talk about some of the things that you have done with, with Swipely, how you, you do all the, all the lunch and everything. Uh, um, I know that there are lots of stuff to uncover over there. But uh, yeah, that's just an excuse to, to have one more conversation in the, in the future. Yeah, let's do it. I'm happy to talk about that. There's some uh, big things that are going to be coming that way actually pretty soon, hopefully. Um, so uh, maybe we can line that up at the same time. Um, but appreciate you having me on, man. This was uh, this was a lot of fun. I always uh, love nerding out about uh, growth marketing. Sounds good, man. Uh, have a good rest of the day, guys. Thanks for being with us and uh, keep it funky. <laughs>